Welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on Refuge Church, or to learn how you can give to this ministry, visit refugejacks.church. church, uh, go ahead and grab your Bibles, uh, your device, man, your screen, whatever you're going to use. Turn to Romans chapter 5. I hope if you've um, been watching along on a screen uh, and it's your phone that maybe you have another device to follow along with. But somehow find Romans chapter 5. Man, I, I want to walk through that in a few minutes. Specifically, we're going to look at verse 8. It's going to be our like our verse for the morning, you might say. But Romans 5, verse 8. So here's what we're doing. We're jumping in this morning and we're, and we're just saying, man, listen, there's no good apart from God. We just really believe that in our core. And our hope and prayer at Refuge Church is that as we begin to jump into the mission that God gives us, that we can communicate to this community, to the city, to the world, there's no good apart from God. Psalm 16, 2 says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. I do want to encourage you to take some notes this morning. So you might want to write some stuff down as I begin to go through this. Just want to remind you one more time of our vision cards, man, just so you can follow along on what's going on. They're over in our notes section, even a place to take notes on there. Might be too late to print it off, or you can press pause, maybe you can come back, depending on how you're watching. So let me ask you this. How do you do and how do you deal with unexpected interruptions or just interruptions in general? How do you deal and how do you process and how do you handle when life's going one way and then it just gets halted and interrupted? How do, you, how do you deal with interruptions? When someone comes to your door, door-to-door salesman, rings the doorbell, you're trying to watch a movie, you're trying to eat dinner with the family, you just put the baby down, like, how do you deal with an interruption like that? How about this? Um, maybe you know what it's like to have a three-year-old interrupting a conversation between you and your spouse for the 353rd time that day. How do you deal with that interruption? How about the interruption of a child walking into your bedroom at 2 a.m. because he's sick? Maybe he's not just sick, but maybe as he walks in your bedroom, he continues to get sick or she continues to get sick. How do you deal with that interruption? How about a global pandemic that shuts down life for six months? How do you deal with an interruption like that? How about a meeting where you walk in and you get the job, you get the promotion, or there's maybe... Negative news. How about like, um, do you remember if you have a child, the first time you realized you were never going to sleep again? Like how did you deal with the interruptions of 11 p.m. wake-up call, 2 a.m. wake-up call, 4 a.m. wake-up call, 6 a.m. wake-up call? How about an interruption where you met someone, maybe for the first time? Maybe you had an encounter with the person who became your spouse, the person who became a dear friend, Maybe an encounter with someone that became an enemy and and you just cannot get them off of your back to this day. Maybe a sudden surprise, a check in the mail or a bill in the mail that you didn't know you had to pay that $1,000 to that place for that thing. How do you handle interruptions? And when you're interrupted for the upteenth time, how do you handle it? What do you do? How do you respond? Most of us don't enjoy interruptions and don't handle them well. Truthfully speaking, 
interruptions interrupt our control of our lives. Here's what interruptions really do. I think at its core, interruptions remind us that we are not in control. Or how we say this at home, they remind us that we're not in charge. Interruptions remind us that we are not in control, that we are not God, that there's somebody else that's dictating and controlling and sovereign over all these things. I'll tell you an interruption that I think about more than daily. Um, About, well, I say about 11 years ago, um, we were at home on a Friday afternoon doing normal Friday afternoon things. I was getting ready to take my daughter to a Valentine's dance. We got a phone call from an organization called Covenant Care Adoption Services in Macon, Georgia. We had been working with them for a while because we just felt like the Lord had laid it on our heart that we had a child somewhere and we had to go get him. So we were trying to adopt and we get a call that said a little boy had been born and his uh, gracious mother had decided that we should get the gift of becoming his parents. And uh, that is the most surreal phone call I've ever gotten in my entire life and probably will ever get again. To hear, hey, dad, you've got a son and he's going to be coming home very soon. And that is, that is an incredible interruption to life. That, that phone call turned out to be our son, Micah. Uh, we get a call on Friday, Saturday around 2 p.m., 3 p.m., a red minivan pulled up at our house and they handled us a little swaddled brown baby who became our beautiful, big, incredible son. I mean, that was an interruption that wrecked everything and was amazing. C.S. Lewis said this, The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are preciously one's real life. He said that interruptions are really just real life. The life God is sending one day by day, what one calls real life is a platform of one's own imagination. Interruptions, ready, are not an obstacle to our plans, but they are opportunities for us to embrace God's bigger plan. I want to say that again. Interruptions are not obstacles to our plans. They're not. We can't think about them as obstacles. Rather, they are opportunities for us to embrace God's plan for us. Our, our, our interruptions, when God interrupts our lives, he interrupts our lives to remind us of his goodness. See, here's the thing that I've learned. God rarely interrupts when we believe we are ready to be interrupted. That's not an interruption anymore, right? That's a plan. God rarely interrupts when we want him to. Okay, God, I'm ready for you to interrupt. Are you going to? It's not how he operates. And God rarely interrupts when we expect it. Think of the times that God has shown his goodness in your life. Think of your own salvation of or faith. Think of meeting a great friend or your spouse and so many more. But God interrupts our lives in his timing to share his goodness and to exercise his plan. See, my very story is as a freshman in college in March of 2000, I was not seeking God or looking to know God and definitely not considering becoming a preacher. And as an 18-year-old college freshman, I found myself at church like I normally went to, going through the motions like I normally did, sitting next to the people I normally sat next to when God interrupted my life and changed the entire course of my life. I was just sitting there listening to the word, listening to the music, sitting around my normal church friends. But in a moment, God interrupted my very soul. And he he saved me in my seat, 
and he called me to preach the gospel at the very same time. And I left that moment different. Something about me was different, was changed, was interrupted, and was wrecked. If God hadn't interrupted my life in March of 2000, I would not be here. I would not be preaching. I would not be married to my amazing wife. I would not have all these amazing children. I would have never have adopted my awesome son. I would have never gotten into foster care. I could go on and on, but when God interrupts our lives and our plans, our lives are changed together, and we begin to experience that there's no good apart from God. And we meet that no good apart from God in the midst of God interrupting our lives. Let me show you what it means for God to interrupt. Romans chapter 5. Told you to turn there earlier. Hopefully you're there. It says in verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what I want to do is, is, is I want to get to verse 8, but I don't want you to jump ahead. So I need to get there. I need to kind of process through and get there. So follow along and we'll get to this idea of God interrupting. He says, therefore, we've been justified by faith. And if so, we have peace with God. When we have placed faith in Christ to be the Lord over, to love, to surrender, to worship, by placing our faith in Christ, we are giving our lives to Jesus. And when we die, as a result, we are justified before God. Sin brings spiritual death, cuts us off from God. Sin separates us from God. Jesus made a way, however, for us to be reunited with God. We are reunited when we place our faith in Christ. This makes us justified before God. Christ now sees Jesus in our place. And because of this faith, we have peace. Peace is offered by faith. Peace comes to us by faith. Verse 2. Through him, we also have obtained access by grace, in, by faith, into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because of our faith, because we have faith, we now have access to stand in the grace of God. This is what God knows about us, and we must know about ourselves. You can write two things down. This is what God knows about us, and this is what we must know about ourselves. These important truths I'm about to tell you is what God knows about us and what we must know about ourselves. Number one, I'm growing in Christ. I'm not nor never will be perfect. I'm growing in Christ. I'm not a finished product. And number two, I am complete in Christ. Because of Christ, I am seen as complete, even though I am not. I don't have to worry. I don't have to do any more. Try harder, harder, work more. I just have to know God. It's just about knowing him. I am growing in Christ, meaning I'm not, I have not arrived, and I'm complete in Christ because of Christ. When God looks down, he sees me full. Verse three and four, now we rejoice in suffering, and we're able to rejoice in suffering because it's not meaningless. It has purpose. Suffering is not meaningless. Bible says in this verse, suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope doesn't put us to shame. In verse five, our hope is in the future. Look at what verse five says. And our hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our hope is in the future because we have a future that cannot be shaken, changed, jacked with, thwarted, defeated, taken away, lost, removed, or rejected. Our future is set in Christ and only in Christ. This is what he means when he says our hope. 
that we have a future and we have a hope and it's in Christ, but only in Christ and in nothing else. Verse six says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That even though we're weak, we continue to sin, we continue to walk away from God. Christ, knowing that, died for the ungodly. Verse seven, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. Our, we have done nothing and cannot do anything worthy of God dying for us, yet he does so anyway. And here's the interruption. Are you ready? Here's the interruption we've been talking about. Verse eight says, but God... Listen, I think these are two of the most powerful words in the Bible. If you have a Bible, a physical copy, I mean, I would encourage you to highlight those two words, to circle those two words, to make an asterisk next to those two words. It says, but God, there, there may not be two more powerful words in all of Scripture than but God. That, that although this, and although this, but God, this is the best and the greatest introduction of all time. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, what a message. What an interruption. That Christ shows his love for us by interrupting us where we are. Not saying get your life cleaned up, be a better person, do this differently, but he interrupts us where we are. Not having to do anything, but showing us love where we are, listen, as we are. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Let me say it this way. God sees and knows us at our darkest and worst, and he still loves us. And this is exactly how he shows his love for us, by knowing us at our darkest and knowing us at our worst and still choosing to love us. This idea of, says, but God shows, another word you could use is demonstrates. Another word you could use is displays. Another word is illustrates, expresses, declares, makes Known that, that God shows his love, that God demonstrates his love, that God displays his love, that God illustrates, he expresses, he declares, he makes known his love by knowing us at our worst and still choosing to love us as we are. I mean, one of the things that's been so hijacked by so many religious people is you've got to be a good person to get to God. And God says, you don't because you can't. Listen, it is for sinners that Christ died. It is for sinners, anyone who is not holy as God is holy as a sinner. That's the definition. It is for sinners that Christ died. People that are neither righteous nor good, and God interrupts our lives with this truth. Behind the death of Christ for sinners is the love of God. Behind the death of Christ for sinners is the love of God. You can say it this way. God loved Christ died, interrupted. God loved, Christ died, interrupted. We are interrupted with this truth. See, interruptions from God are not obstacles to our plans. Rather, they are opportunities for us to embrace God's plan. And God's plan is to interrupt you and me and the world to the gospel and then for the rest of our lives to continually interrupt us with his reminders of his love for you and I. 
This is why we say there is no good apart from God because we really believe apart from God, there's nothing good. The idea of but God should interrupt our lives. We should not be able to continue going on the way we always have if God has interrupted our lives. The way we live, the way we choose to use our time, our money, our energy, our efforts, our parenting, our marriage, our church, our community, our city. If God interrupts us, then everything about us should be interrupted. Who we love, how we love, what we worship, how we worship, ready for this, what we say yes to, what we say no to, what stirs us internally and says, that is wrong and I'm gonna fight back. What stirs us internally and says, not only is that wrong, I'm gonna fight back, I'm gonna do something actively about it. Man, the idea of but God should interrupt what we're willing to do with our lives. If you are a Christian, then your life has been interrupted by God. And so just two questions this morning. Number one, has God's love for you interrupted your life? Has God's love for you interrupted your life? Do you, do you know that, man, I am different because I've experienced God's love? And then number two, how has God's love for you interrupted your life? What tangible, practical ways can you say, this is what God has done and is doing? But God is all about what God did for us, you and I, undeservingly and how we are to respond to such an interruption from God. But God, ready, should lead you and I to worship. A pastor named John Piper said it this way, everything happens in God's plan to bring about the eternal white hot worship in the heart of the redeemed. What if every interruption that we experience from God is a opportunity or a, or a way or, or happening to bring about our worship of a God that we say there's no good apart from. I told you earlier about an interruption in our life. I told you that we got a phone call about a beautiful baby boy, about our son coming home. Well, I left a part of the story out and I'll fill you in about the greatest interruption I've ever experienced outside of my salvation. So not only did we get a phone call, not only did this little boy become our son and, and praise God for that, but, but something cool happened along the way. When that red minivan pulled up, the individual who brought Micah to our home said, hey, there's some legal things we've got to take care of. We can't just obviously leave a baby with you. So we walked inside and they said, listen, there's one big thing that's really important. And that's that the mom has requiring that you give this little boy the name she gave him in the hospital. You know, and... and and, and that may not sound like a big deal, but to us it was a huge deal because on Friday night when they called, we immediately knew Micah was coming home. We began to pray for Micah by name. We started journaling his name out. We knew, man, Micah means there is no God like our God and we wanted him to be a testimony to that very truth. And so we got excited and we're celebrating even to the point of as our friends and family found out that Micah was coming home, they began to bring things to our home that had Micah inscribed or monogrammed on them. Like Micah was coming home. There was a banner in our living room that said, welcome home, Micah. And so as this, this lady tells us this, we're thinking, what in the world? What? what? I remember in my heart just being very conflicted and very angry. 
And then she looks up and she says, and I think my wife may have said, well, what is the name she gave him? And she said, the name that the birth mother gave him at birth was also Micah. And we just had this moment of holy smokes that, that not only is God interrupting, but God's interrupting in a way that's leaving no doubt about what he's doing. Listen, when God interrupts our lives, he leaves no doubt that it's him who is interrupting. We may not know how and what to go from there, but we know in that moment that God is interrupting our lives. But God is the constant and eternal reminder that there's no good apart from God. And this is why God interrupts our lives. He wants us to know and to remember and to believe that there is no good apart from God. 